welcome to More Than Tracy Turnblad, the podcast about fat representation in the arts. My name is Abby Rose Morris, and today I am talking with stand-up comedian Jenny Zagrino. There is a little bit of eating disorder discussion up ahead and a lot of Rebel Wilson slander, so it's going to be a really cool conversation. We're really running the gamut of topics. Uh, But before we get to that, I do want to address that, tragically, Stephen Sondheim passed away a few days ago. And for those of us who grew up as theater kids, this is a very sad moment. And anybody in the musical theater community, anybody who loves musical theater, anyone who's connected with his work. So I did just want to talk about him a little bit before we get to the interview. So I first discovered Sondheim when I was in seventh grade. I found some YouTube recordings of Into the Woods. I was researching shows to pitch to my school theater director for the next year's musical. And it was going to be my eighth grade year, and I really wanted a good part. So I settled on Into the Woods. I thought that would have been the perfect one because it was a mother character that actually had depth and an old ugly witch with actual depth. And I was so excited because every single one of Sondheim's characters had depth. And even at that young age, I knew that playing one of those characters would essentially like solve my problem of being typecast because all of his characters are so complicated and nuanced and rich and layered that none of them fit neatly into a stereotypical box. Sweeney Todd was also the first show I ever saw Fat Lead in. I saw a community theater production in Vermont where I'm from where the woman who played Mrs. Lovett was fat and she was absolutely phenomenal. I ever since have thought of Mrs. Lovett as a fat role, as I recently talked about on TikTok, if you guys follow me there. And what I said there was just because this woman's performance was so good, it was like the blueprint for me. And all the text, my brain filled in as making sense for a fat woman based on my internalized fat phobia and the stereotypes I associated with fatness and ascribed to fatness just as by virtue of living in the world. And so ever since then, that was a dream role for me because while there's like textual evidence for the character to be fat within the logic of fat phobia, although it's never explicit and of course has been played by many thin actresses, that just felt like a good part that I could get. And so many of the the parts I thought of as good parts that I could get were Sondheim because of the way he writes people, full people, and not caricatures. And obviously, musical theater has so many stereotypical caricature characters, especially fat characters, but not Sondheim. I can't think of a single one, but I can think of, I can truly think that almost any character in any of his shows could be played by a fat person believably, authentically, and logically, because he writes fucking people. He doesn't write he didn't write tropes. My dream role also is Mary from Merrily We Roll Along. And that character has in some productions been played by a person who wears a fat suit in the beginning of the show when the character's older and takes it off little by little as she gets younger. And I didn't know this when I first fell in love with the show. And then when I found that I was so excited because it was like evidence that I could do it. Even though like, of course, it's to show the aging. But I believed that there was a window there for a fat person. And sure enough, Beanie Feldstein is playing it in the movie musical. And I am deeply jealous. <laughs> I don't even have words for like how much Sondheim's work has meant to me over the years. And I once got to see him 
because I work at an off-Broadway theater in the box office. And one time he came to pick up a ticket and I was completely starstruck. I've seen many celebrities at work and he was the only one that completely blew me away. I couldn't speak. My coworker took care of it. Um, and when I left, I was like, okay, I, I checked that off my bucket list. If I die now, it's okay. Cause I saw Sondheim. Anyway, I am really in my theater kid self right now. And I al- allowed myself in this pandemic to disconnect from like my love of musicals. And simply thinking about all that Sondheim has meant to me and all that his characters tell me about the future of musical theater and what musical theater can be has completely put me back into my love of it, my obsession with it, my nerdiness about it, which is like how this whole thing got started. The sort of 11 o'clock moment of my solo show that this podcast is based on is also Sondheim. It's Send in the Clowns. And I do it in such a way that is like a commentary on how fat people are expected to, for lack of a better word, clown it up and how empty and demeaning that feels when you're expected to do that and people are just laughing at your body. And I was struggling with what song to put in that slot. And I was looking through like, you know, like funny girl and just just didn't know what to do there. And then when I found Send in the Clowns, I was like, holy crap, Sondheim doesn't even know this song that is so completely not about this is so insanely applicable because it's so human and that's what's beautiful about musical theater and all art and particularly Sondheim's work. And God, I'm just so sad, guys. Every day I think of more ways more of his works that have connected with me and influenced me as a person and as an artist And I don't think there's a single artist who has had more of an influence on me than Stephen Sondheim. And I'm sure I speak for a lot of other musical theater lovers when I say that. But it's so exciting to celebrate his work. And I know his work will continue to inspire new generations of theater kids. I think we paraphrase him a lot on this podcast when I ask people what uh, fat folks can do to make entertainment more inclusive. And that is the quote, anything you do, let it come from you, then it will be new. I think we sort of state that often on this podcast, including in this episode, which you'll hear at the end in uh, just a slightly different wording. Literal, my literal life philosophies have come from Sondheim's work. I am who I am today because of Sondheim's work. It feels nerdy to admit that, but it is the truth. <laughs> And I bet for a lot of you guys listening, it is too. Chances are, if you're listening to a podcast with Tracy Turnblad in the title, you probably like theater a little bit. Anyway, everybody go watch one of the good old Sondheim pro shots for me this week. Watch Sunday in the Park or Into the Woods. Watch the Rolla Sparza Company. Better yet, go see Company on Broadway, which I saw last week and it was incredible. Go see Assassins if you're insanely lucky. Much love to you all. And now for my interview with Jenny Zagrino. Welcome, Jenny. 
Thanks for having me, Abby. Big TikTok fan. Oh my God. Thank you so much. (laughs) I am super excited to talk to you today and I would love it if you would just start by telling us how you got into comedy. So um, I always, as like a young kid, loved comedy and I think it kind of, it really has to do with, I just, you can hear my, Lupe, stop doing whatever you're doing. It's my dog. Um, So I had started doing stand-up when I was 15, but I'd always wanted to do stand-up and always wanted to do comedy and always tried to make people laugh. Um, For context, I've been fat all my life Mm -hmm. too, so... I think when you're a a fat person and you're in a fat body, um, you know, that's like to make people laugh kind of makes people safe for you. Yeah. Because then they can't like make fun of you and they can't be mean to you if they're if you've made them laugh because then they like you. So I think I've always kind of had that like I just want people to like like me (laughs) Um, (laughs) like most people uh, need to be liked at all times. Um, and it just like kind of one night I was watching, I hate to admit it, but I was like watching Dane Cook, Mm -hmm. his special, um, his first Comedy Central special. And I was just like, I can do that. And then I asked my dad for lessons and I took comedy lessons and took a class at 15 and then just like off and on did it until I was like 21. And then I full-time did it. Wow. Did you go to school or anything? Yeah. So I I went to um, Massachusetts College of Art uh, and I was going to be a filmmaker. Uh, before that, though, I'd always thought I was going to be like a comic book um, like writer and uh, designer and draw comics because um, I loved comic books. Oh, cool. I just loved storytelling. That was really it. Like I've always loved storytelling. I think it's my favorite thing and everything I've done artistically has been in the vein of storytelling, whether or not it was like writing comics or writing scripts or doing jokes or even like I used to write music and be a musician. It was all like story based. So, so then, um, yeah, I went to mass art and with the idea was I was going to be a filmmaker and then picked up stand up my junior year again. And then just was like, Oh, this is what I do now. Like it's yeah. kind of an amazing feeling because it's it's like I'd always known that I wanted to do it and then it just was like, well, yeah, this is. Yeah, that's amazing to have like the confirmation of that. Oh, yeah. I found like when I was 12, I made a book that was like my heritage. And uh, in it, I wrote, I want to be a stand-up comedian like Billy Crystal. <laughs> so cute. Like, oh, my goodness. And I want to host TV shows. <laughs> It's, I was just like, wow. And then it got, and then at the bottom it said, um, also I want to lose weight because I'm fat and no one likes me. And like, oh my I think about that. No teacher was like, Ugh. they just like skipped over it and was like, yeah, what? That, that checks out. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So that brings me to my next question, which is uh, throughout your comedy journey and career, how has size and weight showed up for you? So when I started, I was actually, I was in a smaller body and not, you know, not insanely small. Um, I'll try to stay away from like numbers and stuff. Um, I was in a smaller body, but I still had to deal with, you know, fat phobia or at least perceived fat phobia. 
Right. Like we all do in some way, so right? So you were entertainment fat. I was entertainment fat, but I was like that fat where it was like no one knew it was like a middle fat. Yes. Kind of thing. And um in stand up, being a fat chick is actually it is actually okay. And it's I'm not saying that it's not okay to be fat in entertainment. I mean, entertainment tells us it's not okay. Right. But when you're a fat chick in stand up, it's part of your act, it's part of who you are, and it is part of your relatability on some okay. level. Yeah. Because we look to stand ups and comedians to like kind of be this, uh, you know, the, the, the voice in our head that says all the weird and crazy shit we want to say. They tell us weird stories. We're relating to them. We're laughing with them. And so if you're not pretty, in the conventional sense, it gives you such a leg up and it's weird to say it and it sucks, but it's also great. I don't know how to, like, it's this mid thing where, you know, if, if you're too pretty on stage, no one pays attention to you. That's so interesting. Because from the audience, you're going to get, the guys want to fuck you. So you automatically are like, not, you know, the, the dickheads are like, not going to listen to you. Right. And if you're too pretty, a lot of the girls don't want to listen to you either. But if you can kind of ride that middle of like, you know, you dress down a little bit. Like I used to dress up and I would I would notice a big difference in how people reacted to my comedy. Oh, that's so interesting. Can you elaborate a little more? So I used to do, I feel like um, every plus size girl, we go through a, a vintage phase. Oh my God, that's actually so true. I can't. We all go through a 50s phase. Oh my God, where we all shop at Mod Cloth. And we, like- <laughs> <laughs> yep. And like, I'm a little older than you. How old are you? I'm 24. 24. So I'm like, I'm 10 years older than you. So like, I, I mean, it was only like maybe Hot Topic had the stuff you wanted. And like, mm. that was it. And then it was like online. And yeah. even at Mod Cloth, when it first came out, it was not plus size friendly. Oh, yes. I was a, I was a barely large when Mod Cloth came out. And no, like every, yeah. every order was a roll of the dice, baby. <laughs> yep. Yep. And so like, um, you know, I would dress up in actual vintage clothing that I had found and I would do my hair appropriate and I do my makeup appropriate. So I looked like appropriate for the time period and I think people just wouldn't listen to me as much as if I was in jeans and like, or like my hipster, like a cute hipster dress attire. Yeah. And just being cute versus like giving them the nines. Okay. That makes sense. That's really interesting. Yeah. I honestly have sometimes noticed with myself when I watch comedy and when it's a like a very conventionally attractive person, I automatically go, I can't relate to you. I don't I mm-hmm. don't move through the world the way you move through the world. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like even some of my favorite comedians will like talk about dating in this way where I'm like, that that th- that does not apply to me. Yeah. And so I <laughs> I honestly sometimes when I when that happens at a comedy show because like everybody wants to talk about dating and sex and I feel like I experience that so differently as like a person who's the size that I am. So I always am just like comedy's for hot people. Like I have that in my head for some reason now. No, comedy's for the ugly people. What are you talking about? <laughs> comedy is full of uggos. <laughs> comedy is like well the crazy thing about comedy is like it it's just like 
people love to laugh. And if you can make them laugh, and this is mostly, I'll actually say it's different for women. For guys, you can be a weird looking dude. And if you're funny, women are just like all about it. And, you know, because it's like, you just like have this power. It's almost like a snake charmer to just like calm people down and relax them. Yeah. Right. And as for women, you can be a funny woman, a woman, and then men are intimidated by you immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Has that been your experience? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's like intimidation. I mean, dating and being a comedian is like, it's like, all the guys want to prove to you that they are funny or as funny. And I'm like, I hang out with the funniest people in the world. Yeah. I am very funny. <laughs> Can you just be a normal person for me? And yeah. they just are like, they don't or they're intimidated or like, I went on a date with a guy and he's like, I don't really like comedy. And I was like, why would you go out with me? Why would you? you this is what I do. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I feel like for men in comedy, when women can become involved it's just a different set of rules versus like the man that is so funny. Mm. And there's so many men who are not funny, but whatever, you know. Yeah. A giant eye roll. A big eye roll. Hello, Netflix. How are you? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, so I would love to hear a little bit more about your like early stand-up career right after graduating from school and like what it was like to sort of get started on the road and feel free to throw in like how size showed up for you there. Yeah. So as a, as a larger stand-up comedian, this is a larger, as a woman of size who happens to also be a stand-up comedian – You know, it was like you became one of the boys in a way, too, which I think that a lot of plus size women, we do become one of the boys because, you know, we're, you know, we're seen as like sexually um, not viable. So it was like, I think in that regard, it gave me a leg up sometimes because because I was so void of sexuality to a lot of these bookers or male comics that were hosting shows, they felt safer. They felt, I mean, safer, but just better putting me on. Yeah. Because I'm just like one of the guys who happens to also have a vagina. Right. So then they can tick off their list that they put a woman on. (laughs) And then also, too, no one's trying to fuck you at the end of the night, which is like kind of nice. That's fair. That's fair. Right? You're just like hanging out and like being yourself. So it's almost like as a woman, I kind of had, you know, as a large woman, I kind of had this – um view into a different aspect if there was like a really hot comedian because there always would be like the new girl that would show up and she would be hot and I mean you know I almost kind of felt bad because no one took her seriously or whatever it would be yeah um and then as I got to like being on the road and stuff being you know as much as I hate saying it it's like being in a in a large body and not seeing as being so sexually viable, mm-hmm. it does come with a certain level of safety when you're on the road. Yeah. Because you're, I'm not afraid that, I'm not as afraid, right? Because I'm not seen as an, as attractive. And I think that's also a thing just for women and fat women in general is like, yeah, you know, it's, it's a bummer, but it's also like a level of safety, which you could probably get into the whole like, the, you know, psychosis of that or of what, being fat and the safety that it does bring, right? Right. Oh, my God. That's huge. It does not get talked about enough. And I think that while it is a double-edged sword in that if you are assaulted, no one will believe you because they don't think fat people get assaulted. Mm -hmm. Like, there is 
both things can be true. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can keep you safe. And at the same time, it is, you know, the thing that makes no one believe you that you would be like a sexually viable or someone would want to do that to you. So it's yeah. like the road in general is just like as a single woman doing the road would be kind of scary at times that I don't think men knew about or understood. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd all be like, oh, that's so cool that like you're on the road and you're playing all these colleges and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's great. I love being in the middle of nowhere. And then like, you know, a mile from walk from my hotel and like at at night and like it's just it's a, just a, it's a lonely job mm-hmm. you know it's a pretty lonely and like you don't have a like i don't i would get paired up with openers or hosts who are i mean man some of these bookers they would put on my show the most misogynistic pieces of shit and i'm just like this is who's opening for me and they wouldn't yeah. let me bring my own openers which is just like it's almost like there is actually more misogyny than I think there is fat phobia in stand-up comedy. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're so intimately connected too. Yeah, definitely. And so like, I think for me too, the way that my size shows up is like, it it used to be different the way I wrote jokes about being in a larger body. They used to be very self-deprecating. I found this old um, Word document of jokes I was working on when I was 22. Yeah. And they are the most fat phobic, sad. And it was, and that was when I was in a smaller body too. Right. And I remember you talked about this, I think in the Rebel Wilson, when you were talking about Rebel Wilson, of like, <laughs> ex fat people are the worst. They're the meanest to other fat people because you so badly don't want to be involved with that. And I could go on forever about fucking Rebel Wilson because I'm, so infuriated about what she said. Um, we have a segment for you know fat people who've influenced you. Oh my god, let's talk about fucking entitled bitch Rebel Wilson. Oh my god, <laughs> do you want to keep that in? Of course I do. I'm never going to talk to her. I'm never going to meet her. <laughs> oh, and I'll goodness. say it to her fucking face. I will say you fucking you know, are part of diet culture and part of the harmfulness of it by telling women that they can just thrive at any age when you have millions of dollars, you goddamn bitch. Yeah. Especially are you friends with she her? Said, <laughs> I, 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 obviously, I will probably never meet her. She, um, I think that though the industry has instilled something in me that makes me terrified to talk negatively publicly about anybody. Um <laughs> <laughs> However, I will say it is interesting how Rebel Wilson claimed that she lost weight by sleeping more and drinking water. And yet <laughs> right? she went to a very um, fancy wellness facility in mm-hmm. the Swiss Alps or something or somewhere in the Alps. Uh, and she went two different times, stayed for like, I don't know what it was, like two or three weeks. Yeah, they might do other things there. And kick-started than- her weight loss there. That's yeah. all I'm saying. I, that's, that's the, that's the bullshit. That's the lie. And you know why she's probably doing it is because she's probably, I bet you anything, is going to start peddling some weight loss shit soon. I wonder. They all fucking do. Except Adele. Adele doesn't, Adele's been quiet about it. 
I, I wonder. I think that it has changed a bit because now you can't claim that you want to lose weight for any reason other than health. So, yeah. you know, if she does, I'm sure it'll be called like wellness tablet supplements yeah. or whatever. Uh, I, yeah, my wellness tablets for I wanted to have a baby, so I lost weight. And I'm like, there are plenty of fat people who have babies. Anyway, oh, so true, so true. That's for an- another segment. Honestly, no, we can <laughs> talk about fatness and infertility sometime if you want. Because like, yeah, I do have PCOS and like in that way they're linked. But that's not true of all fat people. Yeah. Like fucking at all. There's plenty of fat people. And I honestly, I think it is something that they tell fat women, especially to, you know, to fucking, again, because the medical system is so weight bias. Yeah. Just like, it's like any, it's like rather than me figure out the reason why you might be infertile or like, you know, actually be a doctor and do the work of trying to help my patient have a baby, it's just like weight loss. Yes. Lose weight. And, you know, I think there's also kind of a funky eugenics thing in there, too. I'm sure. About how we don't want those people having babies. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely, like, a step further. Like, I am definitely taking that and running with it. I'm not saying this is a definite. <laughs> it's really a theory. However, like, it is true that fat people get denied for, like, adoptions based on their weight. Fat people aren't allowed to donate their eggs. Mm-hmm. And this oh, is yeah, like, yeah. and the BMI threshold for that's very BMI's, low. I mean, there's a whole. I'll, at the end of this, I'm going to give you guys books to read because I went. This kind of connects to it. So, like, what my material was about being fat was very self-deprecating, very much in like I'm a fatty trying, which is like I'm trying to lose weight all the time. I'm a good fat person. I promise you. Like, yeah. just give me a chance. Don't hurt me. And then it was probably. Maybe like four or five years ago, I was living in LA and I was very deep in my eating disorder. So I was be- I was bulimic from like 14 to 30 or 14 wow. to 29. Oh my gosh. Um, and, and, and I was very deep in it. And I just, I knew, I was just like, I need to find something that will alleviate this mental anguish that I'm in. And I came across this podcast called Food Psych. Yes. And Christy Harrison, and through that had the journey, my journey started of figuring out what health at every size was, figuring out about the false medical claims, what diet culture was. Like, I'd never really Mm -hmm. heard the term diet culture before then. Yeah. I just been like, I got to lose weight. I got to lose weight. And like, and it was then that I began, really like began this journey of like fat acceptance and like you know I'd been in body positivity and like kind of dipped my toe in it and it wasn't like you know maybe like until like 2017 2018 that I was finally like okay this is this is it and then my material changed a lot from being fatty trying to angry fat person just being like this is such bullshit why don't you guys see? It's like there was this great analogy. I forget who who said it. It was a guest on one of Christie's podcasts. But basically, you become this um, emperor with no clothes. You become the kid, right? So you become the child that is basically saying the emperor has no clothes. And everyone's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And that's what it is to be like a fat person who's made this journey to – fat liberation, fat acceptance, all that stuff is to, you're screaming to everyone like, 
the science doesn't support this. Like this, like 95% of diets will fail. And everyone's like, yeah, but you can meet that 5%. You can just, if you just tried harder. And you're it's just literally like, an MLM. Like yeah, it's an MLM. <laughs> it's racism. It's all of that. And you're the only one. It feels like you're the only one that sees it. Mm-hmm. And no one else sees it. And so now my material is much more about being a fat person and living in the fat person and having the rest of the world react to it as well as the bullshit and calling out the bullshit of fat phobia of diet culture, right? And a lot of times, (laughs) it's funny, but it also does not work because people are not ready. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like I've talked on stage because I – so last October, I went into eating disorder recovery, like actually did it because – I ate a bunch of tater tots and was like, I should kill myself. And I was like, well, well no time like the present. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, maybe I should go to go into treatment uh, center. Oh, I, I've never been to treatment, but I definitely have like eaten too much pasta and been like, I deserve death. And then, yeah. you know, at some point you have to take a step back and be like, really? I eat, yeah. I eat noodle. I die. Like, <laughs> yeah, I should die because I ate some noodles. Yeah. Yeah, like I had, I was having, like it was literally was like I was having a great day and I was like, I'm going to have some tater tots. Had the tater tots, spiraled out of control and was, and also too was like, it was October. We were like, you know, six months into the pandemic Mm. and I like lost every, I mean, I lost my career during the pandemic. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. there was no stand up. There was, you know, like I was scared all the time I was eating because I was just I didn't know what else to feel I was in a bad relationship so it was just like you know I was doing the self-soothing like everybody else was Mm -hmm. um it's just that other some people chose drugs and like as fat people like we're very lucky to choose food well I don't even think all fat people necessarily choose food or use it in that way yeah yeah you're right like it's it's not it's not even that it's that everyone is like emotionally eating, but for people who do, like, thank God you chose emotional eating. Yeah. There's definitely a lot worse coping mechanisms. Yeah. So I had gone into, into treatment and it's also too, it's like when you're a fat person in treatment, it's feels like people are like, Oh, that's nice. Why do you look the same? Oh my like, god! Like, why do you, oh. you look a little bigger than you went in? Like, oh man, what? Like, they don't understand what it really is, right? And so, I've been trying to do jokes about it and talking about what it was like being in this treatment center, and people just zone out. They just like don't want to hear about the fact that you know half of like women have eating disorders. Like, like they don't want to know these truths because we're so ingrained that weight loss is the healthy right thing to do. Yeah. And then it's the fear of like you tell someone that's not true and their entire life is a lie, especially for women. How do we bond? Oh, yes. Yeah. And it's like they want to fix you too. Like they they want there to be a solution to your fatness. I remember um, and and they want you to not be sad. Like they don't want it to be hard and they don't want to deal with those bad feelings too. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like when I did my solo show, which is this podcast is sort of based on and like grew out of, I had one joke in there about how, uh, because like I'm fat and so like no guys were interested in me. I'd never like got sad about it. Instead, I decided that like, 
love was the problem and like love was bullshit and like i think that's really fucking funny that as a 10 year old i was like oh no boys like me well love is stupid instead of like no no boys like me i'm fat and ugly like yeah <laughs> i mean i guess both to an extent but like i wasn't gonna cry about it you know and so i thought that was like a funny thing to talk about but when i said it like dead silence people were like oh no yeah. <laughs> like, i'm like guys it's okay like <laughs> But it's also like, you guys are the problem. Like, if you're yeah. sad about me feeling this way, you're also the cause of the problem, oh, society. Absolutely. absolutely. You guys are the ones telling me that I'm I'm in, I'm in uh, not enough. Yeah. And then when I say I'm sad about not being enough, you go, oh, oh I'm so, that must be so terrible. This would be so bad for you. <laughs> when someone's like, you just need to be more confident. I'm like, would you date a fat person? Oh, not even date. Would you want to be fat? Yeah. Oh. I've asked people, I've been like, when they're, they're like, oh, it's about confidence. I'm like, like, oh, especially to people who have like lost weight. I'm like, well, would you want to go back to being fat? And then they're like, uh, and it's, it's about what's on the inside. Right. <laughs> so then why did you have to change your outside? <laughs> sure. You got a 95% chance of looking like me again. So <laughs> let's see what happens. Oh my God. Um, I'm probably going to cut this out, but I, I sometimes feel like sometimes when people lose a lot of weight and like make a post about it, I'm like. Check back in five years, honey. <laughs> you gotta be okay with being a little mean. It's because it feels good. Also, who's that? Who's that statement for? Let them figure it out. I guess like circling back to like how the fatness has been showing up in my work mm-hmm. is it's become much more angry, much more um, wanting to say the truth, and now I'm in the process of figuring out how to do that. How how do I, as a comedian, tell these truths that are true, like they are factually, medically, scientifically true, okay? Yeah. How do I make it palatable for people? Right. Because when most of the world doesn't think you should exist. Yeah. Right? And there's been like some things is like, my friend suggested this and it has worked where I go... Um, you know, guys, I'm, we're having a great time. Like, I really want to get the laughs up, so I'm going to talk about my eating disorder. And that's kind of like a fun, like, little switch uh, that gets people to be like, ha-ha, okay, <laughs> now's like some yeah. heavy shit's coming. But for the most part, it's like, it's almost like, I don't even want to joke about it. I just want to shout facts at people. Oh, I feel that. I feel that deeply. And just be like, be like, you guys, you're doing keto, and your vagina's going to smell like meat. And you're going to lack so many nutrients and then it's all going to come back. Like, how do you make the idea that like, (laughs) like that water bonds to carbohydrate molecules. So when you go on a low carb, you are shedding water weight. How do you make that funny? How do you tell people? You can talk about how when I did keto, I didn't poop for two weeks. Oh my God. That's your story I had to take laxatives to (laughs) shed. Before we move on to the next question, I do also want to point out that interesting comedy double-edged sword about how you are not treated like other women because of being fat. Mm-hmm. And like it really speaks to the way that fatness usually pushes people further from their preferred mm-hmm. gender if they are, you know, if they're in a binary gender. Yeah. Fatness makes you like a, a, a blob of nothing. Yes, like no kind one of, sees yeah. you as anything. Yeah. But just a fat person. But it's also like I feel like I've also been hyper feminized for it, but in like the way of you are a failed woman. 
Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, it's really interesting that you like kind of got some male privilege by being pushed away from like those those things we ascribe to women. Oh, yeah. Definitely. It's definitely given me like, and also too, here's the thing that I do love about, about this is that I talk about these things on stage and I have women come to me after shows being like, I want to be your best friend. Thank you so much for talking about that. Like, and the th- same thing we have with like the Gaudy Positive podcast, mm-hmm. which we'll be back soon. We're, we're, uh, me and my friend Kat, who's also a great stylist. You guys, you should check her out. We, you know, you had so many people who benefited from it mm-hmm. and benefited from because I was let through the gate to have to speak my mind. And like, I'm also like talented. I'm not going to be like, it's just because <laughs> I'm fat. Like, I'm also very funny and very talented. I've seen Jenny's comedy and can confirm. <laughs> exactly. So like the the impact that I've been able to make being in this larger body and having the scope and range of of audience that I do, it's been so beneficial to see that and also to have, you know, other women see someone in a larger body like being, because I'm very sexual on stage. Mm -hmm. I talk about uncomfortable things. I'm fun and I'm flirty. And like seeing that for a lot of people, I think it helps them to be like, I can do that too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, like, and um, I mean, I recently did start an OnlyFans. Okay, let's talk help. about this. Okay, so I started an OnlyFans. I only post things that are like appropriate for Instagram, but it's like, you know, underwear and stuff. But I did that and that's been a great experiment and like bridging this comedy and sexuality, okay. right? About being the funny girl which when you're fat you're kind of automatically the funny girl but now it's like can i bring sexuality into it yeah and it has been fun um it's also been weird and it's also been like man there are a lot of weird dudes out there um but you know (laughs) what i'm here for them they're my fans i respect them but you know like that as like a as a plus size person and i talk about this this is actually one of the reasons i think i got banned on tiktok Oh, was I so I had 75,000 followers and I got banned because I did a joke about OnlyFans. What? So it was either it was either two things. Either I did a joke about OnlyFans where I talk about as a fat person, OnlyFans is the last safe place on social media for you. Whoa, say more. (laughs) Because you exist as a fat person, and if you are a celebrity of, of size or you have some kind of clout, I'm not saying I'm a celebrity, but, you know, I have a following. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, in the social sphere. If I post myself eating ice cream on the beach, I'm someone is going to say you're promoting obesity or look yeah. at that fatty, be, being fatty fats or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. But on OnlyFans – you have a group of people who are there, you know, I, I think I, they're there for both. They like my comedy, but they've also like the way I look and they like my body. And like, right. I'm getting compliments from people who like, I post a picture and it's just a wave of like, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, you know? And it's like, if we want to like, just distill who we are down to sexuality, right? Which is of course not fair. We are of course more, we contain multitudes. 
but social media is visual. That's pretty much it. Having the OnlyFans is like the last place that a fat person can feel like a regular person. Like a positive place. Like a positive place. Because if somebody wants to troll you, they have to pay to do it. Yeah, they pay (laughs) you 10 bucks to be like, here's $10, you fucking fat piece of shit. I'll take it. They're not going to do that. (laughs) Um, And so I did that joke and then I got banned. But I just did a photo shoot as Nadja. From what we do in the shadows, mm-hmm. the greatest show. I I want so badly to be on that show, like with all my heart and soul. Um, but then the next photo shoot, I'm going to be um, uh, Penelope from Bridgerton. Mm. So I'm doing like a sexy photo shoots of like TV of like plus size TV women. I love that. Nadja isn't plus size, but I'm also like whatever. She's yeah. I want to be a sexy it's, vampire. It's your whatever. Fans. Fuck it. <laughs> but yeah, it's like you know. I guess that's 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 all I gotta really say about OnlyFans is it's fun. I'm like yeah. being sex and I'm, you know, uh, I'm gonna look like this for so long before I get old. So why not feel good now? Yeah. Um my my fat OnlyFans experience was following somebody on Twitter several years ago who I thought was like a fat fat activist, and I think that maybe they are a little bit, but also is like a very big OnlyFans creator, um, and is. I, I guess you'd call it a sex worker and like fully mm-hmm. post videos, um, like previews of like very like graphic actual sex acts <laughs> on their like Twitter. And so I like would come across that. And like that was one of the first times I like ever saw fat people in a sexual situation. I wish I yeah. remember this person's username because I owe them a lot. There is there's a porn star that I've that I'm like I know um we she was on the she was on the podcast uh um and she is a plus size and she you know is talking about us being plus size in the in the industry and it's just like people that's that's the thing that's so frustrating is like people like larger bodies more than society wants us to know yeah and they actually like. It, you know, plus size or BBW is like one of the top 10 searches mm-hmm. when it comes to porn. You know, like people like larger bodies. And and it frustrates me because I missed down on so many opportunities for good relationships with people because I just was like, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. Because I've been told my whole life, no one would want this. Right. You know, so then you keep going for shitty people who prey upon knowing that. And, you know, and then it's like, you know, you're 34 and you're like, oh man, I could have had so much more dick in my life. Even 24? Even 24. You could be, you could have been, I mean, I'm sure your boyfriend's nice, but think about all the dick you could have for him. It's okay. I was very unprepared to be that vulnerable with anyone before. <laughs> it happens when it's supposed to happen. You know what I mean? I think that's also the same thing with like when it comes to being in this business because it really, it'll just happen like when it's supposed to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then it's also like super ebbs and flows. Like, yes. 2016, 2017, I was like, had two films come out. I was like, top of my game. Yeah. And then it, you know, shit happened. Totally. It's so it goes. And like, that's, that's honestly, that's life. People really don't want to believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed this like big focus on like consistency and like the it's like also big gym bro culture. Ooh, hustle <laughs> culture is the worst thing. Yeah. To happen. Amen. So it's yeah. one of the worst things to happen to fat people also. Like, yes. 
you can do all of it. And if you don't make it to the gym, then you're fucking a loser. How yeah. dare you? If you don't spend this pandemic getting ripped and starting a side hustle. Oh, oh. My God. dude, I have a joke about it. It'll be, it's in the special, but it's just like the perspective, like, like we, like people are dying and we're just like, don't, don't get fat. Don't do it. Hey, is uh, someone you love dead? Well, don't get fat. Like that's right. literally, that was the pandemic experience. Right. No excuses. <laughs> yeah. You're at home now. Yeah. Oh, you don't have a job and you don't have security? The number of people who've said, I'm not fat anymore because now I don't eat. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> oh, my God. Even, you know, my grandfather who passed away in um, April, I think, he was fat his entire life, lived to 91, mm-hmm. by the way, I think 91 or 92. Yeah. And I am I feel like I should know that, but I, I don't. But it was early 90s. <laughs> I mean, you didn't remember when he died, so. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, you know. Trauma's weird. We will. All of our brains are going to be mushy-mush after the last two years. Indeed. Just, indeed. Oh. Anyway, um, but he was bad his entire life, and he was like that grandfather that every time you see him, he says, you've lost weight, even when I had gained it. I mean, I mean relatives are the worst offenders. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, But... <laughs> He was fat his entire life. Anyway, so I'm just saying he lived to his 90s, so I'm hoping that that's genetic. Uh, And towards the end of his life, he finally started losing weight after my grandmother died and she couldn't cook for him. And he was like kind of losing his mind. And I remember talking to him about it and he was like, yeah, I'm not fat anymore because now I don't eat. I was like, oh. Also, your wife is dead (laughs) and you're grieving. I know. I don't know. Yeah. Like. It's so it's so funny to me how people don't, you know, like the journey of the journey of of fat acceptance comes with so much, right? Like I mm-hmm. love listening to any kind of podcast. Like I love the high maintenance or the high maintenance, the maintenance phase podcast is oh, great. Krista Harrison is great. This podcast is great. It's just like there's so many great podcasts now that are telling you like the real shit about like fat and mm-hmm. like weight loss and like. Oh, maybe the headaches you have aren't gluten. It's because you're lacking a a nutrient. You know what I mean? Like your diet is what's giving you these health problems, not you being fat, right? And like stuff like that where it's, you know, your grandfather lost a bunch of weight because I'm not eating. But it's like, well, also (laughs) you're probably under a lot of stress. You're probably grieving. Uh, You're in a different phase of life. Like, Mm-hmm. All this shit that no, just like no one wants to. No, nah, it's just it's just like because you're fat or you're not fat anymore, right? You know, it's like it's very black and white. There's this podcast I listen to called uh, that I actually really like called um, "Decoding the Gurus," and it's mm. these two dudes, and they basically like listen to like you know the dark intellectual web gurus or health gurus, like they did Gwyneth Paltrow. That's shit. Yeah, and they just basically like look at it from like a decoding like how these are cults how, how these people get them oh i'm definitely gonna check this out oh yeah it's good and they're like occasionally like you know they're two dudes so they're like can be a little fatphobic at times mm-hmm. but like one of them they just did was on uh, michaela peterson jordan peterson's daughter oh. who all she eats is meat ew just meat i know and she's like, well, you know, I ate all meat. And then suddenly, like, all of these health problems were fixed and solved. And it's like yeah, – The carnivore you know, diet. Oh, yeah, the carnivore diet. And I'm like, you know, I don't mm, – I just – I'm like, well, maybe you just weren't as stressed out anymore. Or, like, 
okay, maybe you did have one allergy to food and that's gone, but now you just got rid of all of those nutrients. And right. how are you shitting? How is this happening? Exactly. How are you pooping? <laughs> and let's talk about all the, like, and, but you're going to ignore all the hormones that are in meat. Like, it's like, it's so. Right. Like, it's like people it, just pick this thing and run with it and get so committed. Yes. And I like suck at that. Um, I, yeah. I can't, I can't not doubt. Like, I'm such a skeptic that I, uh, to, completely give myself to one of these like evangelistic religions I, of diets i yeah. absolutely i couldn't well that's that's the thing is like dieting is a religion it that's is why it literally people is. love it so much and i have dabbled in many diets and i've done diets that are the opposite of each other like i was a vegetarian for a really long time and then i did keto then i did whole 30 like there yeah. so there's like no food means anything to me anymore because all of the it was good on one diet and bad on another, and at this point, just cancels it out, and I eat what I want. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, ex- yeah. It's just like I think you too is you. You just get tired as a fat person. This has just happened to me. Is I just got really tired. I just like couldn't yeah. do it anymore. It's exhausting. Like if you if you try to put me on a diet now, I'd just be like, I just can't. Same. I can't. I yeah. literally. I will the minute I'm like, and I still do it. I mean, I think we're all still kind of guilty because we still want what's promised from weight loss. Yeah. Right? Is like, um, yeah. like okay. Well, I'll just I'll just try to like lose like ten. Yeah, I'll just do this, and then I I go okay, and then I turn around and put a cake in my face because my my body's right. like we're not doing that shit anymore. Totally. We're done totally, and it's we're like totally once done. you have eliminated the restriction, it feels you feel it so much more acutely. I think mm-hmm. when you yeah. do restrict, like, and then yes. it's like all you think about, and you know, it is like there is this freedom that does come when you just start intuitively eating. Yeah. And but then it's also you do have to do the intuitive eating for the sake of intuitive eating and not like I eat intuitively and then I'll lose weight because then exactly. that fucks the whole thing up again. I, I think that a part of my brain remains convinced that I have some sort of like food issue or like problem with food, even though I couldn't identify it because I'm not sure that I actually do. But yeah. like because I have not lost weight since – um stopping dieting, I think uh, like a part of me is like, well, you must have a – an eating problem but like i then i hear other people talk about theirs and i'm like well i I don't think i do but i must because otherwise i would see my body change with intuitive eating you know yeah yeah it's just it's it's um it's all like it's so much of like the bummer is like even when you're out of it you're still like a part of it yeah because then you still you know you still want like i still want what's promised to me totally you know, yeah. and yeah. like, especially working in entertainment too is like, yes, he may be controversial just because people don't really like him. But Malcolm Gladwell, Malcolm Gladwell, love of my life. <laughs> his podcast is great. And he did mm-hmm. talk about the token in one of his podcasts. And it is true of like in our culture and in, in, in entertainment, we're like, well, we have Melissa McCarthy. So like we're cool with fat people now. Yes. And it's like you got one. Yes. Right? And then it's like, well, then that's it. We don't get any more. You don't get any more fat people. Yeah. We accepted Lena Dunham. No more. <laughs> Did we you accept know? Lena Dunham, though? Like We barely accepted <laughs> Lena Dunham. And I know that she's very controversial and people don't like her, but I am going to say what she did do for – and she wasn't even fat, but like perceived fatness. Yes. I feel the same way. She had a hot boyfriend who was fucked up, but it was cool, and she did weird things. And she was in a conventionally, like, not thin body, 
And it was just nice to see that on on screen. Yeah. So I think the one thing that like can give us kind of solace in this like fat phobic world is finding other fat people in community to talk about this with. And like, I feel like I have seen my like mental health around this like flourish since starting the podcast. So I wanted to mm-hmm. ask you as a fellow podcaster and someone who's got kind of a fat community in LA, what was it like to find that? So it it was really nice and it was really interesting. So um, my journey kind of started actually meeting my friend Kat, who is a stylist. And she um, was introduced to me by some other friends and she's a plus size woman. And she was kind of ingrained in this whole like plus size world of fashion that I didn't even know existed. Like brands yeah. and shit that I didn't know were around and like, and trying new things for my body from her and through her meeting like, you know, there's a huge plus size fashion in LA and like, you know, there's this one store called the Plus Bus. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah, I have. But they're like a plus, yeah, they're a plus size reseller and they are just like so, the girls who run it, the women who run it are just like so unapologetic and just like fabulous fashion Mm -hmm. and like, and you know, there are a lot of the plus size influencers live out here too. So it's like um, when the wing was open, which was like a w- kind of like a women's we work or like a femme we work. Yeah. You know, they had like, I remember Tess Holiday was there and like they were doing um, a talk um, and then like a bunch of other like plus size influencers showed up and you're just like, oh man, like they exist and I still feel uncool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, cool. Now it's a bunch of plus size people to feel inferior to because I'm because I don't feel cool. But feel you know, <laughs> it's like you know, at least they're on my level. But um, it's just been like, you know, L.A. is like so weird in that it is fat phobic, but then also you have this community of people who are fat positive and. And, uh, you know, fat acceptance. I don't even like using body mm-hmm. positive because it's been co-opted so much from fucking skinny that. girls. Yes. Um, who will probably get mad that I am like, oh, but we also deal with it. No, you don't. Go fuck yourself. Um, you know, <laughs> that's the kind of unapologetic shit you need to be. Okay. You need to be mad. <laughs> fuck Rebel Wilson. Okay. Anyways, so, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I was like having that community. And then also, too, that a lot of them are in entertainment. Right, which is great, which is great to see. And a lot of them are making their own shit. And it kind of is like, not even for fat people, just my advice to anyone who wants to be in entertainment is just to do it yourself. Because no one, they do not, at this point, they do not see your body as much as they see the dollar signs you can bring to them, right? So these agents and managers and networks don't give a shit. You know, you have a million followers and they're all plus size and you're plus size, but they, you know, you bring in money, they don't give a shit. They're going to be like, cool. We'll sign you, and we'll we'll do something with you because you you've brought us money. No one wants to work anymore. You've brought us money, <laughs> so that's what we're gonna do. And like that's just kind of how it is now. And like yeah. that's kind of the way that I've that I've had to do it now is like having like I lost my agents in March, mm-hmm. and just like you know at this point with TikTok and with Instagram and social media and being able to just like with YouTube, no one's going to, no one is going to knock on your door and be like, you know, we heard you're a fat actress. We would like to represent you. They're going to be like, Oh, um, we saw that, you know, you had a viral post and, 
Um, you have, you know, 75,000 or not even 75,000. That's even too low. You have a million point two followers on TikTok. We'd really mm-hmm. love to work with you and have you bring in yeah. that money that we will take 10% of for doing no work. So, yes. So take enjoyment <laughs> in that. Take enjoyment yeah. in that. The industry is is now dictated by the creators more. Yeah, and I think social media has really democratized it in a way. Yeah, and it's great. I mean, the problem is is that um, you know, because we're creatives, we need to create and they know that. So they, you know, things like the creator fund which pays garbage but makes them so much money from your viral content. Mm-hmm. So much money. So much money. Yeah. You can't even like fathom how much money. And, you know, but then you are, um, you know, you get a penny off of it. But that, I mean, that's, that's what's important is, is like you creating the content and becoming the person you are. And like, it's really about like cult of personality at this point, which is a kind of a bummer, but also like, you know, okay. Yeah. Let's talk more about some of the fat characters or representations that have influenced you. For me, um, definitely like Lena. I mean, he, that was huge because I was just starting college, right? Mm-hmm. And just starting, you know, I just had my first, like, I didn't even had my first boyfriend yet. 19 is when I got my first boyfriend. And like, had lived my whole life being like, I'm not, no one's ever going to want to fuck me. Yeah. And then it was like, Lena was like this plus size and like no one could stop talking about oh my god there's a fat person on tv and she's getting it that's impossible (laughs) she's naked right and then it was eventually people were just like stop being naked lena you know yes that's the whole thing with like the token it's like we let you do it and then we're like okay can you stop doing it now yes (laughs) we're tired of it like cool that you did it just do it over there where i can't yeah just do it over there We, we we get it so like her was great, and I'm trying to think there's other, like, fat representation. There just really wasn't a lot when I was growing up. Anything that was, like, negative for you also would fall into Oh, I mean, shelf. living was negative. <laughs> Existence <laughs> is negative. <laughs> oh, like, so yeah, true. it was just, like, there was no representation. And the women that were represented as fat women were, you know, moms or aunts or yeah. hyper-sexualized and – you know, there was no re- just like a regular person who happened to be fat. Totally. <laughs> they were sad. It was like Gilbert Grape, you yeah. know? Um, I re- honestly like cannot think of like someone in the movies that I grew up with that was like fat representation. I mean, yes, there was like hairspray. But yes. it was still also seen as like, you know, it's so funny is like even though hairspray came out and she gets the guy at the end. I'd been so trained that there was no way. So it's almost like unbelievable. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It was like my brain couldn't process it. Even though I saw it when I was really young and it was like a great thing for me to see, it did not affect my self-concept with regard to romantic relationships or yeah. or success in entertainment. Yeah. You're just like, well, all right. Well, she got it, but not for That's me. That's a fantasy. You know? there, that, that would never happen in real life. Yep. Pretty much. I mean, it really wasn't until, like, college that I started to see anyone that kind of looked like me. Yeah, I was like, okay, like, Melissa McCarthy came out. And, but, again, her roles were, like, hypersexualized and weird. But then she got, you know, 
then it, it didn't become about sexuality with her. Like Ghostbusters, for example. Yeah. She just happens to be Melissa McCarthy in this role. Mm-hmm. I think also true, like, I remember when A.D. Bryant got on SNL. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that's kind of cool. And watching her grow and, like, also, too, like, watching her. And I hate, I mean, I hate saying it out loud because, it's, again, it's like she would get cast in, like, regular women roles. And my brain was just like, how? No, you should say it out loud because <sighs> I think that's how a lot of people's minds still operate. And yeah. we have to talk about it if we ever want to address it, you know? Yeah. And, like, the bummer about being, like, the plus-size person is, like, you are either relegated to the best friend or, you know, weird fuckable character. Um, I will say the, the I was – the last film I was in um, was called Too Late. I was a best friend, but, like, I was also, like th- – what I liked about the character is, like, she was just, like, a regular, like, kind of fun, sexy girl. Yeah. And, like, being plus size was not a part of her – like, that was not part of the breakdown. Yeah. To me, there's nothing inherently demeaning about being a best friend. It's just when you only get to be the best friend, that's where the issue is, right? Yeah. I mean, early on in my acting career being here, it was a lot of best friends. One time I got asked to do sloppy Lena Dunham. That was the description. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. Sloppy sweatshirt girl I did once. <laughs> like, just weird roles like that. I was like, what is this? And then also, too, you go out for roles that you they have no intention of ever casting you for, ever. But yeah. you're just, like, I went out for the main character in Glow. And I was like, come on. <laughs> There's no, what, come on. I'm not going to be in this thing. Um, and that's just, like, a whole other casting thing. I think the theory of many people is um, that it happens when the casting director wants to be imaginative and the director and producer don't. Yeah. Or they're just like, can we just try something else? And they're like, "Mm, no. Or actually what does happen is that they do know who they want for it, but the person is in negotiations and is like fucking around. So they're just like, all right, fine, we'll just cast someone else. And so they that's so they hold auditions that they never have any intention of hiring any of these people for. Well, that's that's Broadway for you with all those required EPAs and stuff. That's what I was all, all up in before the pandemic. That I will say, you know, being a stand-up has been a blessing because I always have that. Because I love acting too, but like having just acting be the thing that I want and it, it's so dependent on other people is like I like kudos to you guys. Like I could never. <laughs> I know it sounds like such a dick thing to say, but I'm just like that's so strong. No, I like desperately want to do stand up. So fucking <laughs> do it. I mean, I want to try it. I um do. It. I don't think I'm like funny, but I really also secretly do think I'm funny. I just don't think other people think I'm funny. I mean, you did a one woman. You did a one woman show. Stand up is basically it's a one it's a one person show. Unless you're like a one-liner comic, and I love one-liners, but they get fucking boring after a while. Like, the whole point of, like, you like stand-ups because you like the person, you like their story. You know what stopped me from being a stand-up, and I'm absolutely dead serious when I say this, is that um, when I graduated college, I was 22 years old and a virgin, and that was my whole personality. And so I thought it would be fucking hilarious to have that be about my, like, what all my stand-up was about. And I wrote a bunch. And then the summer after, I met my boyfriend, and I ruined my whole comic persona. So now Aww, I have to start like over. This, yeah, the sad virgin. I mean, I wasn't even sad though. It was like it was just much material around that. Yeah. Um, you could have you could have been getting so much dick. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> 
but then my comic persona would have been ruined. So that is true. I mean, my whole thing was like, there is, I think we all should real quick. I want to talk about, there is like this fear too of like, cause because my, I do emphasize a lot about being in a fat body and plus size that if I did ever lose weight, I would lose a huge amount of my audience. Yeah. Which like, you know, I've thought about that and I think about that a lot. And I think about it of like, of like someone like, I don't know, back to Rebel Wilson. Fucking <laughs> 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 pain of my existence. Yeah. Um, she's not. She's fine. I couldn't give two shits. But she is someone who lost a bunch of weight and I think may have lost some of her audience. But, you know, it's like that aftermath. It's the way of going about it, of like denouncing her fatness yeah. completely. You know, and, like, I think that I would make it a point to never to never do that and just kind of be like, my body changed. It'll change again. It'll change differently, you know? And, like, I think the audience puts such trust in you and puts so much of themselves on you, whether or not you asked for it, you know? Like, sure, we can be like, oh, Rebel never asked to be that. Well, then, you know what? She never asked for anything, and we gave it to her. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, you didn't ask to be um, a plus size actress, but you had a clothing line at Torrid for plus size people, and you benefited off the back of plus size people. Yeah, and you, and now you are saying that anyone can get smaller. And throughout your whole career, you also made it okay for other people to demean us by being one of us who was also demeaning us. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's it's that shit. And I think like, you know, someone like, like Melissa McCarthy lost weight, but I don't feel that same frustration about it because, you know, it's for her, she's never like publicly been like, I lost weight and here's how you can do it. You know, she never even talks about it. She's like, my body changed. She literally was right. just like, I stopped thinking about it. And then that that was it. And everyone wants to talk about it. Everybody, every time I get yeah. interviews, always like, so how'd you do it? And she's yeah. like, anyways, my movie's coming out. <laughs> yeah. And so, I don't know. That is that is something that I do I do think about of like that f- sadness I might feel if I like abandoned my fans. Because, you know, I do care about them. And I do want to like be someone who through jokes and humor, like, makes existing in this society a little easier. That used to be something I thought about a lot. I remember thinking, but if I lose weight or get a boyfriend, what will happen to my one-woman show? I literally wrote that in a journal (laughs) that I found (laughs) recently. Um, (laughs) Sorry. You know what? I don't think I'm going to lose weight, so I'm not worried about that anymore. Yeah. It's like... That's the addendum, though, to your thing, right? To your journey as a creative artist, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, either you're going to have fans or you're not, but you're still going to be doing your creative art, the thing that gives you life, right? And if your journey is like at one point you started off, you know, here, you know, a uh, larger bodied single with your one woman show, and then it goes to, you know what, my next one is about getting pregnant or like, you know, like stuff like that. And like, how oh, my body changed getting pregnant. Like people lose weight when they breastfeed because you're literally making food. Like, you know, like your body changes at all different parts of your life. 
And maybe that is something to talk about of like the the way that our bodies change and and it can change and then other things around it may never change. Right. Do it's you know just, what I mean? Um, you can do it without alienating a big chunk of your audience base by calling them all lazy and not living their best and, lives. And yep. <laughs> <laughs> now that's exact. That's a hundred percent what I'm going to do. I'm going to lose a hundred pounds, <laughs> maybe two hundred. Who knows? You got to make an appointment at that spa in the Alps. <laughs> I'm going to go there. I'm going to be negative weight, okay? And then I'm going to go publicly when I'm just vapor, and I'm going to say, listen, all you fatties, you too can become air like me. All you have to do <laughs> is just transcend time and reality. And if you're not doing it, it's because you're lazy and you didn't manifest it hard enough. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, that might be a good title for this episode. <laughs> either you're water you're either water or vapor or you're not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's now time for Cast Me Cowards, where you tell me one okay. place in the entertainment industry that you would like to see a fat body. It can be your body or it can be anybody else. Okay, I want to be cast in um some uh in a comedy where my body's not the focal point of why I'm being cast. And also, uh, I would like to see more larger woman representation behind the camera, too. Yeah. You know? Definitely. And just women in general behind the camera. For sure. All right. So last question, and we've already touched on this a bit, but what can people do to combat fat phobia in the arts? Um... Never listen to a word Rebel Wilson tells you. Oh, my God. <laughs> I had to bring it full circle. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm probably going to get cast in something with her and have to lick her this in the eye. This is a Rebel Wilson like, hate Ooh. podcast officially. <laughs> Not Rebel Wilson. More like you fucking conform to diet culture, Wilson. Anyways. Conform- and conformed throughout her whole career to, to everybody's ideas about fat people. So Exactly. You know what? Good for her. She did it. She she did it. She made the, the fat girl dream of like of money and power and skinny. So good for her. <laughs> Usually we think of it being in the opposite order, but And that you know what? Even that in itself should be proof that like you don't need to be thin to be have money and power because this bitch got it. And then she mm-hmm. was like, I guess I'll get thin. I sound pretty negative against Rebel Wilson on this podcast. I just, again, it it goes with the anger. It just goes with the anger that I feel all the time about, like, about the way, like, people tell fat people that they can just lose weight. It just makes me so angry. Okay. So how to combat fat phobia in the media and in the arts. Number one is hire fat people. And number two, don't hire them because you've created a role for a specific fat person, like create roles that anyone can play. And I mean like this, like make it a role that a, that a trans person could play or that an Asian person can play, like create roles that, that foster diversity. And, and in some way too, like even cause I'm, I'm a writer too, I have to specifically put in races and genders right in order to make sure my script is diverse right so we need more diversity we need also we need to see images of of fat people living a regular life and it not because not in spite of their weight but like 
just because that they're humans and they exist and they have compelling storylines like anybody else. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And also, too, like, if you have a fat character, like, if you're doing something based on, like, a fat person that existed, fucking have your actor be fat. Yes. Like, I (sighs) – years ago, I was cast and they were – I was doing, like, a – I was telling a story and then they cast someone to play me in the story. And they cast, like, this very thin, tall brunette girl to play me. And I was like, that's not me. Like, I'm a short, chubby brunette. Fair. But then they cast this very tall, brunette, skinny. And I was just like, and and the story was about me, like, falling in love and having a hookup. Oh. So they couldn't show a fat person having that experience. Even though it's a fat person's fucking experience. Mm-hmm. See, you know what? You know what I would actually put in for my two cents for this is like, I need more fat people to write autobiographical material about their lives mm-hmm. and perform it or publish it or whatever. Like, because it was not until I read Shrill, a fat person's memoir, that I had mm-hmm. literally ever heard from any sort of trusted source about a fat person getting married, having sex, having a career, like being successful, like any of these things. And I, I looked, I can't help it. I looked to media to tell me what the world is. And yeah. we, we all do to an extent. And like, it's not a character flaw that we do. Like, of course we do. Um, so anyway, if you're fat, I need you to write your memoir. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Like, I mean, I would, I, I, are they going to make a Mama Cass movie or something? Because her story they is like, should. the Mama Cass thing to me is like, makes me so angry because she died of the same shit that the girl from the Carpenters died of. You know what? Eating disorder. Her heart gave out because she had been starving herself and was anorexic, but she was in a fat body. So they were just like ham sandwich. Do you know about the whole Mama Cass thing? I know some about her life. I don't really know about her death. Oh, my God. she So she was eating probably like 800 calories a day for weeks before her show, before like the shit where she died. She was starving herself. She was like passing out like in her heart. She went into cardiac arrest. Her heart gave out because she was anorexic. But because she was in a larger body, everyone assumed it was because she had a heart attack because she was fat. And apparently there was a ham sandwich in the room, hadn't been eaten because she wasn't eating. And so they blamed her death on her choking on a ham sandwich because it sounded better. That's horrifying. Or because it was just like funny, fat phobic thing to say. So she was this amazing singer. She was literally like the Lizzo of her time, right? Like, and she like was owning her body, but she was the butt of every joke ever. Like you watch her on these reality, on these like um, shows that she would be on. She was, there was always a fat joke. The shit that was said about her and the mamas and the papas. And she was yards more talented than them. Like someone mm. needs to talk about Mama Cass. I will be Mama Cass. I'm fucking ready for that role. It's ready. It's biopic time. I guess I got to write it. I just got to do it now, I guess. Her story is so incredible. Now, where can we see your comedy? Where can we find you? Where can we watch your special and when? So so by the time that this has aired, um, I, t- I taped my special already and it went amazing. It was so good. Mm-hmm. Everything about it was perfect. <laughs> um, you can watch my clips on YouTube. I'm Jenny Zagrino at everything. Um, except TikTok is Jenny Zagrino comedy because um, I did get a new one. Um, and... 
yeah. And like, uh, I put out clips all the time. I'm touring all the time. By this time, um, you can see me at, um, on the, uh, 15th and 16th, I think of December at hyenas in Dallas. You can see me, um, in Michigan, uh, for new year's at the Ann Arbor comedy club. Um, so I'm just, you know, I'm touring, I'm doing shit. So just go to my website and I'm doing all the touring. I'm gonna do a whole Texas run, probably Austin soon too. Oh, very cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was such a great conversation and it was so cool to meet you and talk to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for letting me, um, force my way onto your podcast. No, I'm so glad you did. And best of luck with all your upcoming shows and your special. Thank you. It's gonna be great. Thank you so much for listening to More Than Tracy Turnblad. If you liked it, hit subscribe and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. That would be awesome. Also, follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, all at More Than Tracy T. And just tell your friends. Word of mouth is great, too. You can find more information at morethantracyturnblad.com. Turnblad.com.